And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with this old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 233 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Thursday, April 2nd, 2020. And with me, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who could be called the Dr. Fauci of content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? Yeah, but nobody's going to shut me up. Nobody's going to put baby in a corner. That's I'll right. You got you your that. extra security detail oh, and all of that. God, I, I wish that they would. I wish he would be able to talk and share more than he does. You know, they got him on a short leash, which is unfortunate. Oh, sure, but, for sure. I mean, I get yeah. it. I get it. But you know, let him. Let the man speak. This, he's one of the yeah. smartest men in the world. Just go. Just do well, it. Well, yeah. I mean, there's that, and there's also you know, well, he's you know, he's disagreeing in many cases with sort of the company line. I think that's what's getting getting people all riled up. Well, like that wouldn't be the first time that somebody disagrees with an administration. <laughs> right. It's a well, regular thing right? every every year, no matter what the administration. I mean, there's people that disagree. Let them go. Just let them go. Yeah. Just let them do it. Right. He might end up dead, but hey, at least we'll hear him for a little bit. <laughs> no, no, no. That was, did I say that? Yeah. Did I did I do that? How are things going in your household? Uh we are like, you know, we were talking before the show. We're we're all hanging in there. Uh I I'm blessed to have uh, let's see what it's been, thirteen years under my belt of working from home before mm. this happened. And I think maybe you'll attest to this as well, the our friends that are experienced in working from home and spending time with their significant other and their kids are much better off right now. At least I guess I would say not better off, but handling it better than people that go into an office every day, that go to the gym, that do regular things every day that they just can't do anymore. So basically the biggest difference for me is, I mean, not, not quite, I mean, you're, you've, you've really seen a difference, but I'm, you know, I had a couple trips plan that have been canceled of course we're not going on our spring break trip we were going to go out to uh to your area in california and go to all the theme parks well they're all closed so but really i think overall you know making our one you know our run to the grocery store once a week make sure we got all of our stuff and boy i gotta tell you it is difficult and by the way there's it's really i really feel bad for not bad but my heart goes out to the healthcare workers and the nurses and the doctors and, and everyone dealing with, with everything on the front lines, which is which is probably gonna come through Ohio here in a couple weeks. But um but but overall I'm spending a lot more time with the kids. So yeah. I guess if you're looking if I'm looking at a positive, which there's not many, I think, for most of the people around the world right now, maybe it's a time where you get to have really good conversations with the people that you love. I, I don't know. How are you doing? <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> I am doing fine. You're you know, fine. I mean, I yeah. think That's a terrible I was answer. fine. Yeah. Fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, I, you know, I was telling someone the other day, if it weren't for the financial uncertainty 
of the economy and and the work um, and all of those things, it would be, it, it you know, it, one of the things that I think is a little, you know, hard to swallow sometimes is, you know, many of these celebrities that are basically like, all you got to do is sit on your couch. You know, it's not that hard, oh, yeah. you know, just, exactly. you know, it's, it's real easy to, 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 to have that sort of attitude of all you got to do is sit on your couch when quite frankly, your, your couch sits in a Malibu, you know, luxury mansion in the middle of, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's a little harder to do when, you know, you're, you know, you're, we're working for a living and 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 like you my heart goes out to all of those who are either furloughed or or find themselves unemployed or quite frankly underemployed um as so many of us are finding with projects and and all of those kinds of things but if it weren't for that like if i put that aside for a moment cuz that's very which is, stressful which is obviously hard to do. yes it's hard to put it's that very aside. hard to do it's a it's a day by day thing some days i'm like hey it's great it's wonderful and some days i'm like you know i'm ready to bash my head into a wall um and so but putting that aside for the moment you know other than feeling like when you go out now you know you're going into thunderdome um you know <laughs> i, 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 I it's so weird, right? You go outside now. I mean, I had the I had the occasion to go out to um, you know the supermarket, and of course here in California, you know, you mask up and you glove up and you you know you put on your game face and you go out and you know tensions are running high in the parking lot and you know all that kind of stuff. You know, you got people like stand back, social distancing, you know, and they're yelling at people, and you know it's a little it's a little stressful, but but. Quite frankly, yes. I mean, I'm loving having this much time to spend with my family and my wife. Um, not that those two things are separate, by the way, but just, you know, <laughs> this, spending that other, time. That yeah. other family that you don't <laughs> right? talk about. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, you know, having family dinners and doing so much cooking and, and being home, you know, and, and getting some time to immerse myself in some good reading. And, you know, that has been, quite frankly, I'm grateful for a lot of that. So it's 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 been a bit of a mixed bag, I think. So, yeah, fine is how I'd answer the question. Yeah, I, and... and- and you're right. We, we have a lot of our loved ones and the people we care about that are out of work right now. And I mean, the jobs report came out this morning, Thursday, as we talk about this. And I think, what was it? Another 6 million unemployment. It's only going to yeah. get worse. It's yeah. going to be the worst unemployment I think we've ever seen. I think but it's this is be, different. Yes. I mean, let's I mean, I, I you know, look, I, I one of the things that is also annoying to me is, is that we're there's many, you know, too many people are comparing this to 2008 and 2009 Can't. and they could not be more different. Can't. Yeah, It's just different. We, be, we're, you know, we should be begging, begging for 2008, 2009 outcome out of this. Well, I maybe uh, what I Well, here's what I would say is, is that what 2008 and 2009 basically you know what it did was it exposed a true failure point in the economy and this is not a true failure point in the economy as i heard the the bernanke said and i think this is a a great metaphor this is very much like a national snowstorm right which is basically stopped the economy cold yeah. and so that you know theoretically can be reignited again once the snow melts 
And so this may be temporary and I'm, you know, and I'm not, I don't want to be Pollyanna again about it. And I don't want to be sort of naive about this situation. I'm definitely humble enough to, to say this could be bad, but we, I, I'm of a firm opinion that we have to be mindful that this is not, um, 2008, 2009, nor is it the dot-com boom, which is another sort of fundamental pivot point in the economy that was, you know, those were different kinds of crises than this is. Well, you you know, it's a really good point. Uh, And you're right. We've got a lot of stimulus coming our way. And there's a lot of money, uh, money we don't have being pumped into the economy (laughs) after this is done. Uh, But I was talking with our good friend, Andrew Davis, a couple days ago, and he's been voraciously reading about the 1918 plague and some of the differences. And you and I talked about some of these things, but uh, what what he said was after the first wave, there was a little bit getting back to normal and then it hit again. They had to do the social distancing again later in the year. And then as soon as that passed, everything went back to normal. Like they ran out to the restaurants and the bars just to get out. Yeah. So he was, what that's what he was saying is, is that, You'd be, you'll, we'll, we will all be surprised, and I hope he's right. We will all be surprised how quickly this goes back to normal. So I'm hoping that's the case. The problem, I mean, this is, I, you know, there's no secret. I put this on my Facebook page. I've been talking about it forever. I wish we still, to this point, haven't done a national lockdown in the United States. I wish we would feel all the pain all at once so that we could get back to normal because this thing about it just slowly spreading itself through the 11 states that aren't locked down at all. I, I couldn't agree just more. Killing. I mean, it's going to kill it. It's going to kill yeah, the, what I, we're doing in the agree. states that are. Yes. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, it's, it's weird for me to be in California where I just saw on the news, you know, where California is doing, you know, not to, and this is, I don't mean this as any kind of weird humble brag or anything, but California is doing a lot better. So is Ohio, um, by the way. Ohio and, and to, California, right, be, two of the best and, performing states, I guess, if you're right, going to look at it that way. Because we did, we acted quickly and locked everything down and basically went into, you know, stay at home mode very, very quickly here. And, you know, you've got states like Florida and, and, and others that just didn't. Um, and are, you know, I think, are, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where, it, you know, you're, you're, you're ruining it for the rest of us. You know, it's like, you want to yell at them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I hope I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. And I'm trying by the way that, you know, what I'm trying to do every day is find the gratitude because there's so much power in gratitude and and there's no sense in worrying about things that you can't control it does that that is not a productive um thing to do so you you know you can do what you can control and 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 you can't do what you can't so you know focus on the gratitude that that is true i i mean i love that positive mentality the the issue that i have that you <laughs> the issue I have yeah, with, with your oh, gratitude yeah. statement. Well, this is the thing. I mean, hope is not a strategy. You, yeah. you and no, I, of course, it's not. You, no, absolutely, okay. that's not what you know. Under, and you know, that's not what I mean. That, but you and I have, and and I, I probably put one or two political things on my Facebook page ever. Like I never talk about politics because I'd rather not. I don't really care what side of the aisle you're on. I just rather not not bring it up. There's lots of other. Great things to talk about. I'm not a politician. I'm not an expert in politics. I just have my take. But 
if I can affect one or two people and say, please stay home and don't go out because they might have heard something that, hey, it's oh, it's going to be okay a couple weeks ago, then that could save somebody's life. Right. right. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. So in this case, and I don't think I that's think you, I don't think that's political. I don't find that political. Some at all, people do. The, but some people yeah, do. That's See, weird. That's the, that's but that's weird. the thing. That's the, boy, I mean, we could really get into some political yeah. things now. But this this is why this whole situation will go down as the worst thing that has ever happened to any administration in the history of the United States. And I'm and I can pretty confidently say that because. I didn't care about any of this stuff before. It didn't matter. I mean, I don't care if we're in a you know reality show and whatever. I can deal with most of this stuff. But the fact that people are dying unnecessarily, that's a problem. That's my issue. And now we probably have to delete this whole portion of the episode <laughs> because if people, no, are, people are right. shutting, it, shutting off across all people yeah, that don't agree with Yeah, absolutely right. But, uh, well, that's fine. You know, I mean, if, if that's the... If that's the point of view that makes people turn off, then 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 so be it. By the way, but, that know, would I, be amazing I, I, if that's what it took. If finally that was the straw that broke the camel's <laughs> back. Right. Oh, my <laughs> God. They started talking about politics and not all the other stupid things we talk about. So yeah. anyways. Yeah. So anyways, well, this is a marketing show. Speaking of stupid things. Yes. Yeah. Should we should we uh, should we move to the stupid things called marketing and publishing and content? Yes. Let's talk about things that don't really matter in the world. <laughs> I think I think everybody wants to hear about that kind of stuff. Exactly. Well, all right then. Um, yes, let's do segue to our top of the <laughs> you're like, show. You're like, segment. where do we go now with this? Start a fresh exactly. episode. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, anyway, so let's open up with our top of the show segment, which is of course the one story that sets the theme. And of course, you know, I mean, it, we can't get away from it. It's going to be about the way of the world and as it is right now. But this is a headline that caught both of our attention. Um, and it comes to us from BuzzFeed, buzzfeednews.com to be uh, uh, perfectly specific. Um, and the headline is, the coronavirus is a media extinction event. Um, and it opens up with a quote that says, I think there will unfortunately be closures of newspapers, more news deserts uh, as a result of this, said one publisher. And the article then goes on to say, as the reporters, photographers, editors, and designers at the Seattle Times report on a community stricken with the coronavirus, their paper is also battling another serious threat. In just a few weeks, its local advertising business has all but disappeared. A cruel irony of the pandemic, which in the United States has grown to more than, uh, well, this is all num wrong numbers, so I won't even go there, um, is that while journalists may be performing an essential business, the business of journalism is facing an extinction level threat. Um, and uh, the article goes on to sort of make the argument about the free fall in advertising and all of that is going to kill off uh, local newspapers more quickly than maybe they were already going to get killed off and uh, even some national newspapers and magazines, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what's your take on this? Um, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with this article, but I would love to get your take on oh, this. Yeah, I want to hear it. If you don't agree with it, I definitely want to hear it. And, and I, the article goes into talking about, of course, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journals, the Bloombergs of the world, they're going to be fine. They're, 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 there's no problem there, especially since the first two that I mentioned have you know direct reader revenue that have been coming in for a while. And from, from the traffic to these sites have never been better. I mean, we're seeing so much news traffic. The challenge is we've got in advertising, and that's trickling down to local news. 
I just talked to a good friend of mine a couple days ago. He was having the best year ever for his uh, trade publications. And he said, you know, three weeks ago, it all came to a halt. And now they're basically two years in a hole. I mean, think about that, how fast this happened. You, you go from, you know, three weeks, you're having the best year, and then you go to, you're going to have the worst year, and you, it may go into next year. So th- that's scary, and I think that's where a lot of media companies are right now, especially since a lot of them are owned by small businesses. But let's just look at the local advertising. Uh, the, I'm sorry, the, the local media area. Before This was in February for the Cleveland Plain Dealer in Cleveland.com here in uh, Northeast Ohio. They just laid off, I think, 12 to 16 of their 42 or 46 journalists. Just the start. This is not going to help anyway because because they were still the majority based on advertising revenue. Never really, we never really learned our lesson because we came back a little bit better, you know, maybe a little bit sooner than we could have, should have in, in 2009, 2010. And now they are sunk because all the their advertisers are businesses right now that aren't even open. That that may not survive. That maybe had a, a month and a half of cash flow. So here's my, my – I want to get your opposite take because I, I don't know where to go from here, but we are going to lose huge pockets of local content providers. And it's weird to me that in this day and age of content everywhere and everyone can be a publisher, local news is drying up and, and may finally be killed. And I don't know what's going to replace that, frankly. So – <laughs> I, 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 listen, you know, we should title this one the happiness and sunshine episode. Um, I, here's the thing. Um, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. Um, and certainly we've talked on this show about the demise of local newspapers. I mean, we've we've devoted whole episodes sure. to the demise of local newspapers and how brands should step up and and make this a bigger part of, of, of what they're doing. Here's the thing. This was already an industry that was, you know, forgive the metaphor, but an industry that was sick. Right. And so the the the, the question on the table to me is is the coronavirus the extinction level event or were the, is it is it basically the you know is it expediting something that was already happening um uh, to me i i don't i don't think the argument can be made yet that that's true in other words i i think the the ones that were going to fall away Right. So Seattle Times, if they're if that's really true and, and some of the other ones that are local content businesses, you know, for example, your friend that was having the best year ever and then, you know, is sort of, you know, ha- has fallen off the map. Those businesses were not going to survive anyway. The ones that were going to survive, I think, survive through this. Um, and if there's anything on the, So I don't I don't I don't believe that this is going to kill any business that wasn't already ready to be killed by something else. Um, and so maybe I'm splitting hairs here. Maybe I'm, you know, arguing some semantics that, that, uh, that, that otherwise, but to me, it's, it's, it's to say that to put it on coronavirus to say that that's what killed local newspapers is not accurate. 
there are I, much no, bigger things. There, there are much bigger things and trends in the planet that are killing local newspapers than the coronavirus. That's and and so this is not you know and the way the 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 challenge I have with this article is is that it it basically paints a picture that says well everything was great for local content providers until coronavirus came along and it's the meteor that killed off the dinosaurs. That's not true. It's not, it's not what actually is, you know, hurting local newspapers. And the challenge with that argument is that it puts off so many evolutions of what local news could be. And to answer your question, for example, about what, what does come next, I'm hopeful that local news gets picked up by other, you know, funding, you know, models. That's the key. It's not that coronavirus is killing off local news. It's killing off advertising as a, you know, as a, as a, as a short-term fix for anything. So it's, it's making businesses, including mine, by the way, right? Including my business, including so many of my colleagues' business. It's forcing people to change their models for the long term. And so those businesses that are able to evolve and challenge, get, you know, and challenge themselves out of the long term, broader spectrum of things that are evolving our economy and, and evolving sort of the business environment, those are the businesses that are going to survive. Coronavirus in, you know, you know, will be one small part of that. Uh, I'm sorry, I missed the last three minutes of what you said. I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> no, you. I agree. I agree with you. I guess what I would say is, is that this event wiped out the transition for a lot of these companies that maybe sure. were transitioning I, you know, too slow. Yeah. That would have made it had it not been for what will probably ultimately be a three to four month complete shutdown of the economy. Yes, but that's everybody, right? That's not just newspapers. That's that's the planet right now i know but we we yeah but our show isn't called let's talk about the planet it's well we kind of have been though i mean weirdly (laughs) you're right we've really expanded uh the content of what we cover on this show i so let's take a positive look for a change or i will take a positive look for a change at at what you just said maybe coming out of this we will finally see I'll say enterprise brands because I think it's enterprise <laughs> brands that will will take local news under their wing. Yes, and, and I'm run hopeful with it. of that. Yes, I am hopeful for that. That is, this could be the catalyst for exactly that. This could be the catalyst for 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 exactly that. This old marketing brought to you by Pollyanna and Grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> I am not, just change our names. Look, I am I am an optimist. I really am. But I'm also at the same time a realist. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. Can you be both? If you yeah. can be both, I'm usually both in the same paragraph if I was writing this. I, I right. kind of switch back you're and a, forth. You're, a, you're basically neither a glass is half full or half empty. You're a glass has got water in it kind of yeah, guy. That's, that's probably a fair statement. So that's, that's probably good. So I agree with you. Let's. Maybe there's a new, maybe the new model that you and I have been talking about for seven or eight years, maybe finally takes place because well, yeah, somebody, I, some, somebody's yeah. going to. Here, my hope is that, I, I guess even locally here, there's so many areas that have been neglected from a news standpoint. There's so many counties around 
um, around the Cleveland area that don't get any coverage at all when it comes to to local. There's no support right. for that. So is it is it going to get worse, or is somebody going to come in and start covering these areas? That I don't know because it's been neglected for so long. You're right. It's this is not just a new thing. It's just, what happened is is that business media companies that were struggling a little bit um, are now done. Yeah. So there's got to be something coming. So I guess there's an opportunity. I would like to say that those companies listening to this that want to do something amazing for your community, maybe maybe there's an opportunity here. That's. Yes, that, and that's a great place to end on because I think that's the message. That's the, the message is is that there is an opportunity for evolution here. There is an opportunity for uh, also for innovation, and I think you know um, it's it's hastened some of that. So there you have it. Well, I'm glad yeah. you I'm glad you came around to being a little uh, bit more positive, a little bit more there positive about this. This segment <laughs> brought to you by a glass that has water in it. All right, let's move to our next segment, which of course is our articles where Joe and I have pulled together a few articles that you should be paying attention to, or at least that have our attention anyway. Um, And speaking of happy, wonderful, unicorn-like things, our next story has all of those things. Um, The headline comes to us courtesy of um, getpocket.com. Rolling Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone, yeah. Oh, is that what it is? It's from Rolling Stone, yeah. Well, it's, 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 this is a, it's a news aggregate. Get Pocket is a news aggregation service that I look at, but the the article itself has been. Oh, right from, there it is. It's yeah. right in Rolling Stone. Okay, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. A news aggregation service called Get Pocket. However, the article comes courtesy of Rolling Stones, and the headline is "Sparkles, Bows, and Millions of Dollars Inside JoJo Siwa's Glitter-Covered Empire." Uh, at 16 years old, the Nickelodeon star has turned reality TV and YouTube fame into a global brand. Will she be the traditional teen idol's machine's saving grace? Uh, and the article opens up by saying, on a nondescript cactus line street in Sherman Oaks, California, which is literally just down the street from me, uh, it's hard to miss the only house with a unicorn-drawn carriage and custom BMW painted like a rainbow race car on its curb. Inside the house, singer, actress, and YouTube superstar Jojo Siwa, am I pronouncing that name correctly? I think that's right. Uh, All right. Is covered in flour, sprinkles, and eggs, filming a scene for Jojo's Dream Birthday, a one-hour special celebrating her 16th birthday when it airs six weeks later in May on Nickelodeon, her network home of more than two years. It will be right after the first show of her 81-date headlining Dream Tour will rake in over 800,000 viewers across all platforms. And it goes on excruciatingly long, (laughs) by the way. Yeah, please don't um, read the entire article. To write detail all of her success, everything she's doing in a content and in a marketing perspective and creating her own uh, her own sort of brand. Um, What is your take on this? And um, and (laughs) and why? In the hell do I care yeah, about exactly. JoJo Siwa? First of all, I didn't. Two weeks ago, I never heard of JoJo Siwa. I, I never heard it until. Uh, do you watch Mass Singer? Do you watch that no. show? Okay, you, I do not. You probably. I should. have seen it. I have okay. seen it. I do not watch okay. it regularly. We in our household, we we watch it on Thursday. It's on Wednesday nights. We watch it on Thursday. We watch the last five minutes. That's all we watch, just to see who they. 
uncover who, who the mask who the mask singer is, okay. is that week that's right. what my wife wants to watch and that's fine i because if i can take five minutes of this show um the last one was jojo siwa and i was like who is jojo i had no idea and then it's so weird because the next day this article pops up and i start reading it and get in i'm of course look into her background as a content creator and a singer and, and all this kind of stuff what was what's really interesting about this strategy that I think we can any company can take from it is she built her credibility on other people's platforms. So she started let's so let's just say that uh, you're in the design engineering industry and you start writing as a company or an individual you start writing on in Machine Design Magazine or some some magazine Design World something that uh, you you're borrowing somebody else's audience to get in front of them. But at the same time. Uh, you are then building your own audience, and that's what JoJo Siwa did. So she she became she was a free agent. She didn't lock down with any production company, with any network, anything like that. She just started appearing on certain outlets, reality shows to start with, and then she leveraged all of that and all of the promotion that she was getting and put that into her own media outlets, including her YouTube channel, which I think as of today has almost 11 million subscribers. And then... She leveraged that into more outside coverage of other people's platforms. And I love that model today. And it actually, it's just, it, well, first of all, I'm not, I'm not saying I have anything to do with JoJo Siwa. I have nothing like JoJo Siwa. But when I first got started in trying to make a name for myself in content marketing, all I did was write articles on other people's platforms. All That's all we did. And then leverage those to create what became... You know, we built in Content Marketing Institute, and then you go back outside, to, and then to grow Content Marketing Institute outside of our network, then we went back out to other people's platforms, did webinars for other people, those types of things. I love that. So that's the first thing I love. And the second thing is, she got this whole thing with rainbows going on, like really insane usage of rainbows everywhere. And I just love that she leaned into that. And I think now, I mean... And into the future, especially with what's going on in media right now, we really need to lean into the things that make us weird and unique and interesting to our customers. And she has done that, and she just totally went all in with it. And so out of, out of this crazy long article that no one should read, you probably only need to get into about the first quarter of it, I love the business model behind what she's done and the content mission uh, that that any company, even the most boring B two B company in the world, if you think that that's you, can take from this and and gen- generate an audience and a following. So that's why I love the article. It's a great. It, it you know what it is. It's it's just a, fan, a fantastic example of your content ink model, right? Which is um, you know sort of the how to build how to build yourself as a you know as a as a content brand. And I think from that perspective, um, it's it's fascinating. It, what will be really interesting, and I don't think I'm going to be keeping up with JoJo Siwa just to oh, be quite Oh, you know honest. you've got a picture yeah. of JoJo Siwa in your yeah. room. Absolutely. I um, may or may not. Um, and so uh, the what will be interesting to watch is what I have seen is sort of a... a, a a classic arc for many of these 
kids mostly, um, as they sort of employ the Content Inc. model, the fascinating thing to me is that I've watched so many of these, and this is all, you know, I don't have any data to support this, but this is anecdotal for me, is that it seems many of them get lost in that sort of, call it the third act or the, you know, the, you know, close to the, you know, the the evolution pivot point, et cetera, which so many of them follow what you're exactly what you're saying, right? Which is they build themselves on other people's platforms. They build their own audience. They build their own platform. They build a YouTube channel and a website and an email list and mostly an Instagram following or whatever it is. And then they migrate to rented land. What they do is they go get a television show or they go get, you know, a film or they get somebody else's and they basically, you know, move into and migrate their entire audience to something else, right? So in her case, Nickelodeon. What they don't do is maintain their audience themselves. And so many of them I've seen either come to regret that or quite frankly sort of fade into the woodwork quickly because they don't they don't continue to maintain their own platforms. And what I what will be interesting to watch is to see when we see some of these kids and YouTube stars and others do this, one of the most important parts of your model and what you did was even after all of that had happened was to maintain your owned audience. You're basically your owned media audience that you could engage and sort of build as your own asset so that you weren't depending on someone else's because it would have been, you know, easy for you in the early days of CMI to basically, you know, fold that underneath someone and sort of let it go. Right. And you didn't, you know, you kept it until it became as, you know, as valuable as it did and then ultimately was acquired. But that, you know, so that piece of the adventure is such a missing piece for so many. You know, you see so many of these YouTube stars that were big in 2011, 2012, 2013, 2015, 2016, who are nowhere to be found now because, quite frankly, they faded into the woodwork of Nickelodeon or Disney or wherever, right? You know, it's just, and it's a fascinating, I think, thing about how to think for the long term. It's a, it's a great point, and you're absolutely right about a lot of those YouTube stars from 11, 12, 13, and 14. I think the difference now, and we're seeing it in some of the articles I think we're even going to cover here in the next few minutes, is that the difference now is that the owned platforms are way more valuable than the rented land. Is right. becoming. For example, take PewDiePie, right? We've talked about PewDiePie on the show a couple times. PewDiePie has a hundred, I don't know, hundred million followers or something on his YouTube channel, and God knows what else he's got going on. Um, he's done book deals and done all kinds of stuff, but he always maintains that owned platform as the key thing because nothing is going to be. There's not another media planet, media channel on the planet that's more valuable than his. So, and that's, I, I would imagine this is the same thing with, with Jojo Siwa. You could make a case where her own YouTube channel could be more valuable than anything she does on Nickelodeon now. Because that's Nickelodeon's right. that's ne- never going to be as big as they used to be, ever. So I think that's a great point. I agree with yeah. you. Yeah. 
All right. Well, then let's move on because once you've admitted that I have a great point, I need to get things moving quickly here. <laughs> you've had great. You always have great points. You you do. I'm I'm, I'm feeling better actually. I'm really this feeling. Is actually, I'm really feeling good. It's helping me. It's therapeutic. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh well, this is good. Yeah, good. This is good. good. All right. Our next story comes to us courtesy of Folio and is actually quite related. Um, to uh, the story we just talked about, but more, much more from a B2B uh, perspective. And no, ra- no rainbows in this. And no rainbows and no unicorns. Um, and so the headline here is House Beautiful Contracts Business of Home for Guest Column. How a consumer magazine and a trade publication are leveraging an audience overlap for mutually beneficial collaboration. Um, this was an article that I covered on um, my other podcast, The Weekly Wrap, and I thought it was a good one for Joe and I to talk about because the model Model here is one that he's really familiar with, um, and I think is just fascinating for B two B brands, especially. The article opens up, and this is one where you're going to want to go read the whole article because it's it's there's a little bit of complexity here, and 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 you should follow along with it. But basically. Uh, The article opens up by saying, like any serious entrepreneurial endeavor in the media business, Business of Home, which is a magazine, was born in 2009 out of the recognition of an underserved audience. Its founder and president, Julian Noren Johnson, who at the time had been working on Hearst magazines on the business side of a magazine called Veranda, noted that advertisers in shelter magazines increasingly wanted to reach design professionals like a B2B audience, a valuable audience subset with considerable spending power, but not one that's necessarily core to a large consumer glossy. So cut to, and the rest of the article sort of talks through this about how they've created this partnership now. And so 11 years later, she created um, this wonderful partnership as she launched Business of Home. She's now creating content for some of these consumer-oriented magazines, which has some of her audience, but ultimately doesn't cater to her audience at all. And they can go out and compete with some of the bigger magazines in the space, for example, Architectural Digest, et cetera, and basically reach. And it's a win-win solution. She's creating content for a very niche part of a consumer audience, and the consumer magazine is benefiting from valuable content that pertains to that, and they can monetize that through advertising like they would normally do and are creating content that would be relevant for that advertising uh, audience. So it's a really fascinating partnership, and it just struck me that this is a great example of something that we talked about years ago that we don't see a lot of these days, which is where B2B brands can actually partner with non-competitive audience platforms, whether that be somebody that's trying to reach the same audience that's in a completely adjacent space. You know, I think, you know, financial, for example, services who are trying to reach accountants and may also want to partner with somebody like Intuit um, or those kinds of partnerships where content partnerships are really important whether or not they're monetized with actual cash dollars, but you could start to build in the ability to pull in and build your own audiences by doing some of these partnership deals. Um, just struck me as a really interesting uh, idea. And Joe, I know this is something that, you know, in the media space, B2B media space is a well-worn path, right? Oh, there, there's, it's interesting after, um, after 9-11, when things got really tough in, in business-to-business media, we were looking at all kinds of partnerships and possibilities just to try to keep the lights on. So the so things that we were looking at where we had a number of brands that would come to the uh, the business magazine and say, hey, I, I want 
to talk about this message, the, this content message, mission? Do you have this audience? And they would partner together and do a supplement on that area. So you could look at that kind of thing, which, by the way, is a great idea for brands today. If, a, if you as a brand want to target a specific audience, uh, a lot of times a business, a media company of any kind can tell you, hey, we, we not only have that audience, but we know the content that that audience has been clicking on or for the past three months. So we can really dive deep into people that, you know, that really make sense that you want to target. So those types of things are great. But, you know, back in 0304, we used two different media companies, so similar to the one you talked about here, would get together and they would say, okay, well, we bring this to the table in this audience and we bring this to the table in this content. And the two of those would get together and we would just do a review. Like, is there any opportunities that we're not seeing for a content partnership or an audience partnership, or maybe one brings the content and one brings the audience? So th- these, this is not necessarily new. A lot of those things don't work. You know, we were throwing a lot of <laughs> things against the wall at that time just to, just to make sure we could all get paychecks. But I love this opportunity, especially right now, because right. both, that's, both that's brands, what I was thinking, right? Yeah, both yeah. brands and media companies should be looking at these types of partnerships because everyone's going to be open to new ideas right now. Everyone. So if you ever wanted to try something crazy, if you're a brand and you're going out to a media company or your media company and you want to approach a brand like you said and into it, now would be the time to do that. That's such a great point, which is exactly where I wanted to take it, which was, you know, to me in this time of when, you know, you're looking at brands that are creating content and quite frankly, maybe really good at it um, and creating. But they don't what they don't have is the expertise in distribution mm-hmm. and the expertise in, um, you know, the ability to get content out there and build audience with it. You know, they're just good at creating great content and they post it up on their blog and they hope, you know, good things happen. And so that distribution strategy can be really difficult. So going out and looking at a consumer magazine or another media company or even, quite frankly, somebody adjacent in your space who's looking at exactly the same thing and may, quite frankly, not be good at creating content, but be really good at actually building and and engaging an audience that, you know, is the kind of thing that you can you can look at that, you know, you know, just pick up the phone or, or do a Zoom call or do, you know, send an email. It's that kind of thing. Really, really good stuff. Well, wow, that's another excellent point, sir. I, you know, you've got you're just on a roll today. I don't know about that. <laughs> I have no idea about that. All right, let's quickly cover our last story uh, before we get to the rest of things. Um, and our last story is courtesy of Digiday, um, and it the headline here is "We're not in advertising mode," says Anheuser Busch CMO Marcel Marcon on staying relevant. And the article opens up by saying, "Last month." Anheuser-Busch announced that it would use its production lines to produce hand sanitizer to help consumers amid the coronavirus pandemic. But that's only one way the world's largest beer company is changing the way it operates during this crisis. As the situation has evolved, the company has developed initiatives that aiming at helping consumers navigate the new norms of working from home and social distancing. The company is leaning on its owned and earned channels to communicate those initiatives and pulling back on advertising, according to U.S. CMO Marcel Marcon. And so they interview him and he goes through and starts talking about this. And much of the article is about them doing the hand sanitizer and some of the product things that they're doing here. But they've actually they then go into how they're really pulling back 
uh, on paid media and really starting to think about uh, these kinds of content programs that, as the CMO says there, are trying to be helpful to consumers and trying to be useful for them and inform them in these challenging times. <laughs> and it, as I was reading the interview, I was like, huh, if there was only something that you could call that, like if you could call that something or you could really start to develop a strategy around that, you know, like that's not just in the COVID-19 time, but is really all the time. And what might that be called? Or what would you write a book about that? About I mean, anyway, I, I kid, but it's it's really nice to see that we finally have a catalyst here that, I mean, that is making CMOs of big consumer brands like Anheuser-Busch go, oh, content marketing, right. That's something we should probably think about doing. And I'm hopeful, and I would love to get your take on this, I'm hopeful that basically this is like what we were talking about with the newspapers is something that's a long-term, you know, sort of something something that will come out of this that is good, that there is something that is good and meaningful that can stick out of this, you know, out of this very hard time. You know, this seems like the event that's going to, I mean, we, we talked about it on the last episode. We had, you know, 9-11, then we hit the Great Recession, and now we have this, and each one of those events has taken content marketing up another notch uh, but not not even into the ballpark close to where advertising at but this one feels much different to me uh, especially this article is great when he basically says we can't advertise we have to be ourselves we have to focus on the needs of the consumers customers we can't pitch our stuff so what do we do we're gonna just build relationships with them on our own channels uh, it's funny uh, Pam my wife she sent me a text the other day the cleveland indians are doing a really cool thing where they they're they're playing i don't know what the game is it's like ea sports you know baseball 2020 or something and because they can't play major league baseball right now they're having the announcers actually call the made-up game the, you know, so you're watching the, you know, the hitters that are, you know, digital, like video game guys hitting home runs. And you've got Tom Hamilton from the Indians doing the home run call. And they do like three minute snippets of each game. And, they fo- and they're they following the season along, just like they were playing it. And she sends me and this. I'm not making this up. She said this and she said, she said, I can't believe it took a virus for businesses to finally pay attention to content marketing. And I was like, right. I'm, I'm like, I couldn't have said it better myself. This is this is the time, and and you now you've got, you know, the CMO of one of the largest, most influential companies on the planet saying, you know, right now is when we really have to focus on our own media, and there it is. Yeah, so. and and yeah, and maybe they'll buy a couple of local newspapers. I mean, you know, it, it I would mean, only it would make not- it would only make sense to do that. It would yeah. really make sense for them to do. That. I mean, we could give away a coupon for free beer. They're already uh. delivering beer to the house. I, I know I, they they could deliver they could they could just do sports they could just do you know they could uh anyway well, oh, yeah, you're actually range. you're right yeah. you're absolutely right they they could that would make perfect sense in their in their media strategy already it wouldn't be a diversion of their media right it would, it would just right. deliver the local news and sports right oh, I mean you know brilliant. I mean that's how yeah you could have the whole you could have different so you you build a consortium of enterprises right. to deliver the local news and exactly. certain companies so it's funded by yeah, it so the fi- the finance section might be funded by a bank or 
uh, an insurance company or something like that, right? You could do that. Which would be a rounding error on Anheuser-Busch's marketing budget. Smaller so than small. Somebody entrepreneurial, go out and do that. Go out and put together, you know, a, you know, go get Schwab to, to support the business section. Go get Anheuser-Busch to support the sports section. Go get Starbucks uh, or General Electric to support the news section. And now all of a sudden you have a consortium of big brands who can fund a local newspaper. That's, you know, anyway. Three ideas in a row. Wow. That's a turkey. There we go. Hey, speaking of ideas, we've got a sponsor to talk about. We absolutely do. And you can use coupon code FRIEND200. I love that. FRIEND200 to save $200 off of Content Marketing University. And why this is so important is that there's probably never in your career, in your marketing career, been a better time to catch up on your training. And Mr. Robert Rose and team has put together a fantastic, what do you call it, a sibil- syllabus? What do you what do you call it? What do you, what do you call your thing? Sibilance, sibilance, Sibil- one, sibil- two, one, two, sibilance. <laughs> Whatever it is, you have some wonderful, amazing educational information on how you can be the best content marketer that you can possibly be. I highly recommend it. Um, Robert, you've been putting together Content Marketing University for a long, long time. And they ca- basically what CMI did is they're leaving um, signups open much, much longer during this period. So I think you have until 4.30, so I think at the end of April. So if you yeah. want to sign up, now is the time to absolutely do it. Use FRIEND200. I think it's all caps. Use FRIEND, all caps, the number 200 to save $200 off. And you get it for a year. And I highly recommend it. I've seen the content. It's fantastic. You're not going to regret it. ContentMarketingUniversity.com. Yeah, it's great. I mean, and, you know, I mean, look, whatever about my class. But but the the more important thing is, is that there's 50, five, zero hours of great industry thought leader content in there that goes beyond my backbone class. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic stuff. Yeah. So, so they basically know. take your, they can take your class, which is like what, six to eight hours or something like that. It's right? a total of seven hours. Seven yeah. hours. Hey, you could have just said yes. You didn't have to correct me. <laughs> seven hours. It is somewhere be between six and eight. Yes. It is definitely somewhere <laughs> in that range. And then you can do that. And then you get the 50 hours of, other amazing content so thank you for the clarification (laughs) absolutely all right ladies and gentlemen it is now time for your empirically driven favorite part of the show which is of course our rants and raves section where joe and i go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave um, about all the things that make us feel like wow we just had a conversation with dr fauci or make us feel like grumpy mr grumpy man um (laughs) Let's see here. Uh, do you want to go first or shall I go oh, first? Yeah, I have I'll, a very quick um, I have my, a very quick rant or commentary or something and you probably have a rave. My I have a rave and uh, my my wife has been telling me to to put this on the show for a week now, 2 weeks now cuz I didn't do it on the last show cuz we didn't do. We don't do raves on our special episodes. So I'm not I wasn't going to do it. Wasn't going to bring a rave. So this is a cute story. You probably already see it. Uh, this is this comes from Board Panda. Uh, Cowboy Museum puts their head of security in charge of their Twitter, and his tweets are hilariously wholesome. Uh, I just think that it's it's really really cool. Uh, they've got 
then I'll read the first part so you get some context. Americans have found their new icon since the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum in Oklahoma put Tim Send, their head of security, in charge of their Twitter. The whole country has been praising his tweets. They really are funny. If you get a chance, you can go through. Um, you can just click to the link in the article, or it's the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum. They, they, it's really funny. The, my, the funniest part of this, I know you've seen this too, Robert, is when he was trying to figure out hashtags, and he put, he says, so, uh, somebody told me I have to use hashtags, so he, he spells out hashtag John Wayne when he's talking about some of the items. It's really, really funny, and you and I, just had the conversation beforehand, and I don't know the answer, but you asked, is it real? And I said, "My that was my question. I didn't know if it's real, but even you said in, in some of your content marketing workshops is it doesn't matter if it's it real. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It sure does feel real. Yeah. And maybe it's it, real now, but man, it is, it is really, really funny. It seems very authentic. Um, and it, it's a really good feel-good story in all this coronavirus stuff. So if you want to read a really good, fun article or you want to follow somebody that's really fun on Twitter, I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's fan- it's, it's wonderful. Um, my favorite part is when he learned how to use the... Uh, the w- one of the funny things is, is that he's actually talks to his nephew or whatever it is. He's like, you know, mentions him by name and is like, is this yeah. the way to do it? Yeah, hi, you Lucas. Know, and, just like tweet. Hi, Lucas. Right. <laughs> And then the other thing is he's doing is, um, you know, when he finally figured out hashtags, he wrote hashtag, hashtag, right? He actually had the, the hash, the, you know, the pound sign, of course, and then wrote out, still wrote out hashtag, which was, which was also. That was my favorite part. Yeah. yeah. The, oh, the one, the one that was really cute was said, somebody told me I needed to do a TikTok and he took a picture of a clock. Of a clock. Yeah. <laughs> Or he took a picture of the selfie zone, which is just yeah. not a selfie, just a picture of the selfie a zone. A picture of the zone that is yeah. where you're supposed to take a selfie, which is great. And then he leaned down into it so they could have his head where the feet are supposed to be. It's it really, it, yeah. First of all, if this is real, it's brilliant. And if it's not real, it's maybe even more brilliant to come That's up right. with this. And to have That's it right. be, feel authentic the way it is. Really, really good stuff. Yeah, it's really it's really fun. It's really and and a welcome respite from all the rest of the what's going on here. Um, okay, so I have a I don't know if it's a, a rant or rave, but it's commentary. Um, it was just a, a an article that I that I picked up that I was struck me, um, and it's uh, courtesy of Media Post is where we'll link to in the show notes, and it's from a study done by Group M, which is you know part of WPP. Uh, one of the bigger holding companies uh, in advertising. And, you know, when you're like WPP Group M XYZ4Q, that's the name of your agency. Nah, you're probably one of the holding companies. Anyway, <laughs> I, I kid because I love. Anyway, the, the headline of the article is consumer trust in digital marketing is not as high as we had hoped. Um, and basically the article is a study as a review of a study that, uh, group M, the WPP media arm did where they found that half of those surveyed and they surveyed 14,000 consumers in 23 countries, half 56% want more control over their data. 60% said they're less inclined to use a product if the brand uses their data for any purpose. And then, uh, per the report, more consumers by a margin of two to one, Get this, say that TV ads provide a more positive impression of brands than digital formats. 
and 64% would have a negative opinion of a brand with messaging next to inappropriate content. Uh, more than a third, 37%, feel that digital ads are true intrusive and on and on and on goes the sort of stats to basically say that what something, if any of you ever in content marketing for a while, we've known for a long time that digital advertising, not necessarily digital marketing, um, but digital advertising is not very well liked um, by most consumers. And what made me sort of stop and think about this for a moment here is, is that this is once again sort of the idea where it says that the, you know, and the sort of lesson, quote unquote, to learn here is that marketers have to focus on using the right digital platforms to reach consumers and be transparent about how their data is gathered and used and to think holistically about the many media venues where they can build consumer relationships. And once again, I go, huh, if there was only a thing we could do about that, there was if there was only something we could actually, hmm, I don't know, strategize and figure out about how to how to do that, how we might use content to lean into data acquisition, not because we're scraping it, not because we're looking at it from a uh, from a, a surveillance perspective, but because the consumer wants to give it to us, because we're giving them value, because they're subscribing to what it is we do. Um, and ultimately, the report then says consumer trust in digital marketing, and I would put advertising there, but they put digital marketing, is not as high as we had hoped, the report concludes. And that's a problem. Because there's a clear correlation between trust and brand value. And I couldn't agree with that more. There's absolutely a correlation between trust and the value of a brand. I'm just suggesting humbly here that the results of this kind of study could be used very, very well to say there is an opportunity here for us and especially maybe now to take on an owned media opportunity to start creating content that is helpful in the words of the CMO of Anheuser-Busch and actually does differentiate us as someone that is helpful and valuable to consumers and actually create a holistic strategy about how we become a brand publisher that operates like a media company and that actually differentiates in the market space by doing so and builds trust in the brand as a result of that. There might be somebody that I know that we could talk to about that. And that's my, <laughs> that's my, that's my commentary. I, I, I need to talk to content marketing's manager, please. Yeah. That's, some, that's, something, yeah. yeah something you got to talk to yourself. Um, yeah. I think that we are, you know, we, we brushed upon this, but now is a really good time to just slow down. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Right? Because, yeah. We're all so fast. We got to get the leads. We got to do the thing. We're advertising. We're interrupting all this stuff. Well, this this kind of a strategy, uh, if it affords us anything, it affords us um, just just take us just take a second and stop, take a look at where we're at, take a look at our very important customers that keep us in business, and figure out a really good way to communicate with them on a regular basis, and um, and that's probably means getting away from taking some of that advertising budget and putting it into, like you said, an owned media property uh, and what an opportunity it is today. And that's where, and I yeah. can, I can see, I mean, you and I know why brands don't do it because they want instant results and you're not going to get instant results with an owned media property. You're not. It takes that's right. time to build a relationship with customers with content. It just does. So now you've got the time. So there's no excuses. There that's exactly right. Yep, that's exactly right. 
All right. Well, that um, where uh, it's a very I, uplifting part, episode. I feel yeah. This I is feel the better. part of the show it's where like I'd say, "Where are you off to now?" And, <laughs> and the answer is nowhere. I know that for a fact. You're not going anywhere. I got to tell you though, I was feeling a little bit down at the at the beginning of the show. I was a little bit negative, but I feel I feel positive now. I feel, well, that's good. I'm, I'm feeling, glad we've been able to turn that ship around. <laughs> feeling good. Uh, I am. Uh, you know, I'm running every day. I'm writing every day. You're not um, eating meat, I saw on Facebook. Not, yeah, it's my, whatever, day 37 of no meat. That's insane. Yes, it's, uh, you know what? Here's the deal. I don't miss it that much. I mean, I, I do miss it, but I, don't, I, can, I can deal with it. The problem is it's just you really have to work hard on your choices. You, I mean, there's a lot more cooking, a lot more things that have to be done. And especially in this environment, it's, it's a little bit tougher. Then they just go yeah. into the freezer, get out some some <laughs> right. meat, and have some burnt animal flesh. I mean, that's yeah, that's the way to do it. But yeah, so we're just in, enjoying the time at home, and and you are, I'm assuming, you're taking your hikes. I see taking hikes, actually getting around the neighborhood as I can. You know, proper social distancing and all of that, and around the neighborhood. And other than that, I've been immersed um, in. Uh, work joyfully so uh, really immersed in creating content working listening to clients trying to offer up advice where we can um, and just yeah I'm, I mean it's weird I'm super busy so it's good and I'm finding it very distracting for the news I've shut myself off from the news except for in the morning we watch a little bit of news and then we don't watch it again for the rest of the day um, and, you know, if it's important enough, it'll find me. So enjoying the cooking, enjoying the time with family. And uh, and other than that, yeah, just really finding joy in um, in the work. Well, it's been a joy talking oh, to you. Well, there I've we learned go. so much from you this episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to take advantage of that being the last word and sign off from here. Um, and if you like this episode, episode number 233, first of all, remember it because it's the episode where Joe said he, enjo- Joe said he enjoyed my, my, my lessons. Um, and, but subscribe or resubscribe if you hadn't subscribed or you did subscribe before. Get yourself a shiny new subscription to our little show. Of course, we're kind of publishing every week now. We're not promising that, but it seems like we're publishing just about every week now just um, because this is a weird time and because we have the time and we enjoy it and hope you do too. Um, so with that, we do our regular shows sort of every other week. And then uh, on the other weeks, we do sort of, you know, special episodes or what's on our mind and that sort of thing. Uh, and if you want Joe, more of Joe and more of me, um, for Joe, you can get that at joepolizzi.com and and specifically joepolizzi.com slash newsletter. He's got a fantastic email newsletter that is totally worth subscribing to. That You get all sorts of Joe witticisms, banter, fun <laughs> things, discussions of novels, all of that. And for myself, if you're interested in all the things that we're doing here on the client services basis and content, it's contentadvisory.net. And we, of course, have a little newsletter as well. Of course, we'll post everything up in the show notes here. Hashtag us up, won't you? This old marketing for story ideas. Uh, all of the things that you might want to see on the show. Um, more congratulations to me about how right I am on things. We're always welcome. Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, until next week, remember, everybody, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. This Old Marketing.